0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Predetermined, a pro wrestling hangout. I'm your host, Garrett Callender, and with me, as always, a man who, let's be honest, we can't prove that he didn't kill Joey Ryan, Derek Halpin.
1: I swear to you I would not kill Joey Ryan and rid the world of his wonderful dick. That's well, the thing I never thought I would say. I kept a man around because everyone loves his dick. This isn't the first time,
0: though, that you could be accused of being a guy in a hoodie doing something wrong.
1: No, I'm a nefarious character, but you know, what? I actually I will say this: you would shit your pants if you tuned into one of the upcoming episodes of Being the Elite and you found out it, I was a part of the cast. Now,
0: if you kept that a secret from me all this time, I would be. Yeah. I don't want to say I'd be livid. I'd be. I'd be jealous. I'd be proud of you. You'd be mad that I hadn't promoted the podcast on my appearances. I would understand, <laughs> I guess. You know, you had to keep it secret. You got a pretty cool job, and. Yeah, I don't know if you heard this. Everybody, Derek's a new cast member on Being the Elite.
1: Well, the fucking wrestling show that you attended finally aired, and so now you can talk about that. Holy shit, yeah, that's so weird. Well, Hey, you know what we'll do before we talk about that? Hit our goddamn music!
0: Thank you for tuning in to another, another lovely hangout with us. And before we get started, you know, we got one more thing to plug. This, my friends, is your last week to enter our contest. Last chance. To win two tickets. Two. Count them two. To All In in Chicago September 1st.
1: You aren't going to get any more warnings, any more heads up. On this podcast, this is your last chance until we record next week. This is it, man. Derek,
0: if they win these tickets, just throw a couple names at them. Who are they going to see at this event? The
1: biggest indie wrestling show of all time. You are going to be seeing the MJF. You are going to be seeing Stephen Amell. You are going to be seeing... The Young Bucks, you're going to be seeing Cody, you're going to be seeing Kenny Omega, you're going to be seeing, well, you're not going to be seeing Flip Gordon, you know that. Or will you be? I don't know, only He's, time will tell. Flip has another chance. You're going to see the ghost of Joey
0: Ryan. You're going to see Hangman Page. You're going to see Jay Lethal, Okada. This is going to be great.
1: You might even see us. You, you will see us, because I'm going to hand you the tickets. Man, this has been like a, a thing we've been doing for, God, almost two months now. We've been plugging the shit out of this contest, and here we are. This is your last warning. This is your last chance. If you want to try to win these two tickets to All In, on September 1st, here in my fucking city of Chicago, Illinois, here's what you got to do. Get on iTunes, find our podcast, leave us a rating, leave us a review, tell us what you like about the show, tell us your favorite episode, and before you click Submit to submit your review, Give a screenshot of that review and then submit it and send that screenshot to us. Email it to us at at predeterminedpodcastgmail.com with the subject line. I want all in and make, just make sure you include that screenshot proving to us that that was your review and voila, you have entered the competition and Hey, this is I mean, this is it. No more chances. And Just so you know, your odds
0: are not bad to win these. Enter this goddamn contest, because I know you want these tickets, and
1: this is going to be such an easy way for you to win them. You scratch our back with a review. We'll scratch yours with some tickets to the biggest indie wrestling show of all time. We know you want these. Uh, Good luck to everyone who has entered thus far. We will be doing the drawing for these uh, in just a few days uh, next Tuesday um and that will probably be the same day we end up recording in our next episode we will announce the winner online and in the episode and we'll have a video from what i understand is that what is that
0: how we're doing this i'm gonna take a predetermined hat i'm gonna put all the names in the hat and i'm gonna pull one of those names out whoever's name is on that that piece of paper you're gonna win you're gonna win that, but all you gotta do—that's exciting. Leave, leave us that review first. I'm excited to give these away. I'm excited for somebody who wasn't gonna go to All In that's now gonna have two tickets to All In and a predetermined a pro wrestling hangout
1: hat. You know what's funny is th- this podcast is called Predetermined, but the winner of this contest is not predetermined. I have no. We idea don't know who gonna it's be. gonna be. No clue. Not a, not a clue. You know what? Yeah. It
0: f- fucking Flip Gordon might win the tickets and get into the show.
1: Yeah, he may he may have entered. This may be his way in. He may think uh the, my odds uh, on this are way better than beating Nick Aldis for the NWA heavyweight championship.
0: Which you know what? It's- I'm going to go ahead and say Flip Gordon is not eligible cuz I don't want to piss off Cody and Starcast. You can enter this you if your name banned. is not Flip Gordon.
1: You don't want Cody giving you that death stare that he gave Flip Gordon at Joey Ryan's funeral. That w- well,
0: Flip was very inappropriate and I think that He was in the right to get a stern look.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about on this week's episode. Um, And I think we really need to start with kind of the big thing that happened over the weekend. You took a trip out west back to uh, your favorite state, I'm assuming, of California. That is
0: is my favorite state. And uh, it was not the worst city I've ever been in. SCU!
1: Uh, it was,
0: (laughs) it turns out though, I am the a hundred percent, the absolute worst person to travel alone.
1: What's your problem?
0: I am not interesting. I, I'm never going to go out and do something cool by myself. I guess, unless you You... count wrestling shows. (laughs) Are you too afraid? No, I just have a thing where I just don't care that much. And I really need somebody else to pull me towards something that isn't professional wrestling. I saw that you just basically went and saw some movies. Oh, yeah. My Airbnb, I have a couple issues with these people. They were pretty fussy. And by that, I mean, <laughs> they had a lot of rules. I, I understand no shoes in the house, but they said if it's absolutely necessary that I have shoes, they left me, a, they left me shoe covers. And they also, really? they also left me, they're like, you should wear these around our house, too. They were the hospital socks with those rubber bottoms. Are you
1: fucking kidding me? What did they think I was going to do to their house? Why, if, they're that, if they're that high maintenance about their, their living space, why are they putting that up on Airbnb? I have no idea. They seem nervous to have me there. We never met, by the way. I, they were at that house.
0: I had a private room and a private entry to their home, so we never met. But uh, they didn't let me check into their house until 6 p.m. I landed at 9 a.m. I was very, very tired. I had nowhere to go. I rented a car, so I had somewhere to put my suitcase. And I decided, well, where can I go take a nap? The movie theater. So what movie did I go see? The Whitney Houston documentary. Oh, boy. My plan was to sleep through that thing. And guess what happened? You liked
1: it? I got fucking invested. And I had to step <laughs> <laughs> You have probably walked out of movies that you were more excited about going in than you. I mean, this is a unique situa- situation. So you got in at 9 a.m. on what day? On Friday. And you just fucking killed time until you could go to your Airbnb?
0: No, I didn't even get to go to the Airbnb because I couldn't check until 6. And then I had to be in Oakland for Hood Slam. So I okay, never. So- I didn't see my Airbnb until about 1 in the morning.
1: On Saturday. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And then you were advised to put on hospital shoes.
0: Uh, I did not put on the hospital shoes. Don't tell them. I didn't wear the shoes around their house. They had a great Japanese toilet. You know, it warms your cheeks while you're sitting on it. It was wonderful. Mm, so I don't know if I like that. Oh, trust me. It's a thing you don't know you want until you have it.
1: I don't know. I'm pretty grossed out when I sit on a toilet and it's already warm.
0: Yeah, but when you find out it's not warm because of another man's cheeks or lady's cheeks... Is there a certain, yeah. I don't, I think it doesn't matter whose cheeks it is. You don't want butts on
1: you. We talk about anything on this podcast. It's not just wrestling. Well, this we is really delve into the hard hitting issues. Hey,
0: this is all lead up to me getting to hood slam. I know it's taken a minute to get there, but you know, you, you're You're on this trip with me right now.
1: So I don't know a goddamn thing about hood slam. I don't know who you saw there. I don't know what happened. Uh, so how, how does this go? Like, you're obviously, you didn't get a chance to rest. You're probably shot out of your mind. You're tired. Oh, I so drove. So what are well, you walking into? And you're in Oakland. You're not in San Francisco at this point.
0: Yeah, I had to. So I have this rental car. And I need to pick up my friend from the airport. She was going to be in town for the weekend. She said she would attend her first wrestling show with me. So she was going to attend this with me. So I crossed the bridge to Sausalito, ate at one of my favorite restaurants in the world. It's called Fish. If you're ever in the area, eat there. It's fantastic.
1: The it's called to, Fish? It's just called Fish with a period.
0: Huh. It's fancy
1: seafood. It seems like the kind of the name you would see on like an abandoned restaurant out in the middle of nowhere. Like, that's the best they could come up with. Actually, it does remind me a
0: little bit of, in California, there was a place, I think it's called, like, the Blue Star Cafe. I went to go see the band Proto Men. Uh, It was in a terrible neighborhood. The only place, like, the only way I could describe this neighborhood is it was, like, it was the scrap metal district of town. It was the (laughs) scariest place. And I parked in front of a building that the title of the business was a business corporation.
1: What? That's a front for something.
0: Yeah, it did just as well said a mafia front. But uh, right. trust me, fish, if it's a mafia front, they sell you some delicious fish tacos. So, uh, so drive 90 minutes to Hood Slam. On the way there, I pass San Quentin Penit- Penitentiary that I've seen so you in many- the mood. Oh, that got me real in the mood. Because I- how many drunken nights have you spent watching MSNBC watching lockup? Not me. Oh, man, in college, that was my jam. <laughs> Uh, so I get to hood slam. I'm expecting to actually be in the hood. That's what I'd always heard. And I thought that's what Oakland was. Turns out it was in a very gentrified neighborhood. So curveball.
1: like what, what, where was this being held at?
0: Um, the place was called the Oakland Metro opera house. Okay. Don't, don't get too excited. It's not as fancy as it sounds. (laughs) Not (laughs) like from the front. I'm like, Oh, I guess it's an opera house. You walk in, it's a warehouse. It's a warehouse. Okay. I asked some people what other kind of stuff they have in this venue. They said normally they have uh, concerts and like performance art happening in this space. So, but it's
1: not the back of a Foreman Mills. Oh,
0: absolutely not. I mean, there are bougie bars all around this fucking thing. And before it starts, this square that is on is called Jack London Square. And uh, I took, I looked at a little map, saw that his cabin that he wrote Call of the Wild in was just
1: down the street. So you better believe I did a little sightseeing. <laughs> It that is what you got you to go out and do some sightseeing. You couldn't do that on your own. You had to go see the Whitney Houston film, and Gosh. then 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 go see Jack London's
0: fucking cabin. Yeah, we're twelve minutes into this podcast, and you have not heard anything about wrestling yet. We're getting there. We're getting there. It's like that. It's like he's almost in the door. He's almost there. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. We do go in. We get into the show. Uh, as you walk into this venue, they did do a pat down, which was nice. I, I, you know, I appreciate a good pat down. I like a little rub. Did they touch before- your butt? Uh, no, nah, they were nice. They weren't like the PWG pat down guy who's just gonna grab your junk as hard as he can just to see how <laughs> tough you are. <laughs> it's initiation. Uh, it, that guy left. He's no, he's no longer there. But I hope it's because he was truly molesting hundreds of people a night.
1: Like it came up and they were like, "Wait, we never asked him to do that." Like for all I know, that
0: fucker didn't even work there. Like it was, <laughs> it was an old man who would just—he would reach into every crevice next to your taint, like you know where your legs meet. It's just he's getting in there. Uh,
1: but, but what if he had been there? What if this was his new job at Hood Slam?
0: I would have cried. There was the guy that <laughs> runs the door at PWG. There was a time that I'm like. Oh, God, the old man's here today. I hope I don't get him. And then the guy turns and looks at me and said, you don't want him? Go to him. And I was like, God damn it. And then you have to stand there and get. It's weird because he knows you don't want to go over there because he's molesting everybody. But, you know, it's it's the price to play the game.
1: All right, into the present. We're at Hood Slam. You're <laughs> walking in. God
0: damn. Sorry, this is a long story. So, yeah, we get into Hood Slam. There's this little bar area in the front. All the wrestlers have their shit set up. Uh, Joey Ryan. You have uh, Brian Cage. Le- Leva Bates, Blue Pants is standing there. So I go talk to Joey Ryan. I buy one of his little wrestling buddies that our buddy, Corey Goodman, makes. Corey? Corey? Super Fun yeah, yeah. Rocket Ship, which I believe you hear him every week on... Uh, colt cabana's podcast some of their music yeah, it's,
1: is it's crazy how
0: Corey has infiltrated the wrestling world, isn't it? It is and now he's on ours yeah i'm looking at his joey ryan doll right now yeah but i asked joey for a picture and his response was i mean you can try and at first i thought he was meaning because where we were was kind of dark but then he follows that up with you know because i'm a ghost
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, did he say boo did he make any other ghost references? That was the
0: only ghost reference, but I got my friend Steph in the picture with me, and I'm doing it selfie-wise, and she didn't notice until I held the camera up and we were looking straight into it that he wasn't wearing pants. Really? Uh, he just had on he had on a T-shirt and then, you know, the Speedos. Gotcha. Uh, so she noticed as I was taking it and just noticed, like, ah, oh, the King of Dong style is present. <laughs>
1: But uh, we walk... so.
0: So he was super friendly. This isn't your first time meeting him, is it? Oh no, I've met Joey at PWG and like other indie shows and stuff. He's super nice guy. But we walk into this venue. So you walk past the bar, you go into this back room, and it's a big warehouse. Uh, there's a ring pushed up against a stage. There is no seating, and the room. I'm already like, all right, I'm smelling weed. It's gonna be a party in here. You round the corner, a lot of people smoking weed. A lot of people, and I didn't realize to the extent the amount of weed that was going to be at Hood Slam. Was it like a Grateful Dead concert? It was like a fucking Grateful Dead concert in there. Wow. Uh, Let's see. The wrestlers come to the ring smoking weed. (laughs) The referees (laughs) are holding a joint as they ref the match, and are pretty hood. Consistently taking hits off those joints. I got a lot of shit on Twitter because I posted. It was, one, it was the first match of the night, and a guy walked out, and it looked like he had a cigarette. And I posted, uh, the ref walked to the ring, his name's Nuck Nuck, really liked him. He was a cool guy with uh, suspenders that said Nuck Nuck, had a real sweet flat top, smoking a joint. I thought he was coming to the ring, smoking a cig, looking cool. The internet really roasted me for thinking it was a cigarette.
1: <laughs> did you cause uh, some damage to our podcast reputation with this? I
0: think I did. I think they don't think I'm cool. I think they don't think I know the difference.
1: <laughs> so it was basically the opposite of your situation at WrestleMania where you got the awesome video of Joey Ryan and it blew up our podcast. Basically, you posted something about a guy with a cigarette and everyone's just leaning into you because it's a fucking joint and you didn't know the difference. Absolutely. And I'm like, hey, I'm sorry. And then everybody's like, yeah, a
0: cigarette. And then somebody actually, uh, I believe, said, oh, honey. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that's
1: a, that's, that's a real shot at my, uh, my masculinity there. He attacked it. Your masculinity, your intelligence, but you're off and rolling, there's pot being smoked. <laughs> everywhere, <laughs> like everywhere. There is a tag team
0: in this, Derek, called the Stoner Brothers.
1: That makes sense.
0: They looked and were dressed like Rick and Scott, and their names were Scott Rick and Rick Scott. God damn it and they were they were stoned they were smoking weed during it uh, this show is did they do a frankenstoner god damn it i don't honest to god it's hard to remember because they were hotboxing in a warehouse <laughs> Right. I mean, even if you're not smoking weed, you're smoking weed in this building. There's no way that you're not just taking all of it into
1: your lungs. Uh, Great first wrestling show for your friend, too, by the way. Oh,
0: I, if she thinks this is what pro wrestling is forever, then she is going to be in for a weird surprise when she ever attends <laughs> anything else. But uh, we there was a wall of couches, and we went and stood on the couch so we could see above because there's no seating. You're just looking over heads and a wall of couches yeah they just had a line of couches down one of the walls so we went and stood on the couch so we could
1: see was it bum- like was it like a junkie like i go into de- what, what, the, what the fuck does this mean a wall of couches
0: there was just a like, line of just it was like a, a sofa bench I mean, how big was this room? The room is fucking huge. Like it is a big warehouse room. If I had to guess how many people by the time the second match was going, there were probably 1500 people in this room.
1: Jesus. Like this
0: place fucking filled up fast. It was. And they're pouring like the guy who's the announcer. Do you remember when The Rock had that rock the promo contest? I don't. He, it was a couple months ago on Twitter. He had a thing where people could cut promos and they could win a belt and like a chance to meet The Rock and stuff. I didn't okay. realize the guy who is the lead commentator who runs these shows is the guy who actually won that contest. Wow. And uh, his name is Brosif Joe Brosif. Or, Joe, wait, Joseph <laughs> Joe uh, Joe Brody is his name. Okay. And his thing is he's like, uh, he's a bro. He's a douchey bro. Came out in the American flag uh he was holding a bottle of jack and he is just going around pouring shots of jack into everybody's mouths this
1: show my friend is a party like what would you be more concerned about getting busted a gcw show or a hood slam show i think i mean it's california weed's legal right but like can you just serve booze to random strangers like that it's very strictly
0: 21 and up Okay. So they they checked IDs, man. No one. They weren't pouring booze in kids' mouths. <laughs> All right. But this show Fair was enough. pretty wild. I mean, it, just with the and they had a house band. There was a band performing on the stage, so the people who were hood slam regulars had live entrance music.
1: That's pretty. That's pretty rad.
0: I actually, I will go ahead and tell you, for twenty dollars, I had a very very good time. I think it's 100% worth your while to go. Uh, is the quality of the ma- it's so weird to follow it with New Japan, which is, you know, just this high le- high level matches with excellent storytelling and this is more along the lines of a comedy show. Like it sure. at one point Ryu from Street Fighter came out and cut a promo on Ken. And then Ken came out, and they just started fighting. And the commentator on this show is actually going over the PA system. So you're hearing live commentary as the night goes on. He goes, there's no ref, and this isn't even a match. And they were just beating the shit out of each other. Not a match. (laughs) They left. They ended up fighting through the crowd and out the door into the street and then disappeared. And then a couple matches later, they came out the back curtain still fighting and ended up in the ring again. Was it over? Uh, it was over and they ble- <laughs> next month they're going to have a real match to determine who who is better, Ken or Ryu. <laughs> how did your friend have a good time? I think she had a blast. I think she really enjoyed getting to see uh, Joey do the-, the dick flip. What else did we see? I think she was just impressed with how huge Brian Cage is. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think what else. Uh, oh, this was probably the highlight of the night for me. I'm a big It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia fan. And there's an episode where they create a team called the Birds of War. And they're dressed like really shitty looking eagles. Leva Bates and two other guys came out as the Birds of War and sang the song that the Birds of War sang and It's Always Sunny. Feathers were flying for the whole match. But I do think this, I kind of got the same thing that happened at Joey Janela's Spring Break too here, where I was so tired that I kind of hit my threshold for nonsense wrestling.
1: Like you were just done? There
0: was a certain point where I was just like, all right. I, I, didn't, I left before the two main events. Because I'd already been there from, well, I think I, we get, the thing started at 8.30. I walked out around somewhere between 11.30 and midnight.
1: So you stuck it out for a few hours and then you were at, you were done. Yeah, but it was just, you know,
0: weed isn't really a party drug. It makes you kind of sleepy. Right. And when you're already tired and just spent 3 hours inhaling all the weed, uh, you know, you, you're
1: you, baked. You're done. You're done, like you're ready for a nap. You're ready for some in and out and a nap. You're ready you're ready to go to your very sterile Airbnb. Yeah, oh, yeah, Chill.
0: which I was already like, oh, my God, they're going to be so mad at the way I smell in their house right now. They're going right. to think I was just it. if they asked where I was, I'd be like, well, I it smells like I was inside of a bag of marijuana. <laughs>
1: But you said you didn't you didn't bump into him, so this was not no, an never, issue. no
0: never. It was not an issue. I haven't seen the bill yet, though, so maybe they
1: charged me extra for something. But uh, I will say,
0: had a great time at Hood Slam. If you're in the Oakland area, it's twenty bucks. You are absolutely going to get your money's worth for twenty dollars.
1: And this was only night one of your adventure. You had you had a couple days there.
0: So let's just skip everything and get to the thing we want to talk about. We're 24 minutes in. That was too long of a story. Let's go. Uh, G1. G1. It was a bucket list item for me to go to a wrestling show at the Cow Palace. So when this got announced that New Japan is doing their first big show in the United States, you know, or the biggest they've done so far at the Cow Palace, I knew I had to be there. And it was a very cool venue. It's really cool, like, pulling up and just seeing it and knowing all the history you know, everything that's happened inside of that building. Right. Uh, Let's see.
1: Talk to me about the venue some more. Like, like how did it compare to other things you've been to? It's not Uh, a huge arena. It's a, it is a
0: fairly small arena. It's really just, you know, the floor and then like a hundred level seating. All right. So it's not huge. I think I heard it holds about 10,000. I believe they ended up having between five and six in attendance. Really? So it wasn't, it wasn't sold out by any means, but this is still the most tickets they've ever sold at a New Japan show in the United States. Well, And I think a lot of people are getting down on them about that. Like saying like, well, they didn't sell it out. Well, it's, you know, they're building. They, they sold more than they did last time. So it's here's still- my
1: question. Here's my question to you though, in response before you get into the show. Why, why would a New Japan show- struggle to fill an arena like that but all in had no problem like what what's what's the difference
0: um maybe there's a bigger wrestling community in los angeles maybe people were burnt out because they had just been to a new japan show there what just a few months ago so because before they had a show in long beach and then they came back about a year later this time it was only a few months ago too So, I don't know, maybe that had something to do with it, or maybe it has to do with San Francisco is just a really expensive city, and it's not the most affordable place to be able to go attend something.
1: Okay. So, what were you looking forward to? I mean, this is such a a novelty question. Which match were you looking forward to most going in? And I guess we'll eventually talk about what you kind of walked away with thinking was the best match of the night.
0: So, I walked in with the match I was most looking forward to being Dragon Lee versus Takahashi. (laughs)
1: there's a story there. Oh, boy. Oh,
0: boy. Is there a story? Uh, Lots to talk about. That is like at this point, you know, these past just couple months, I mean, he's been great for a while, but he really grabbed my attention these past couple months. I feel like Takahashi is he kind of I mean, he was easily on his way to becoming the man. I mean, you could argue he already is. He has the junior heavyweight championship.
1: Well, do we need to talk about it? And do we have to talk about it in a way that implies that he's done? I don't think so. New- okay, so do you want to go ahead and just tell the people what happened? Well, I think everyone probably who, anyone who's listening to this podcast right now probably knows that he he apparently what broke his neck is the last thing I heard. So that's
0: all we really knew. I guess today New Japan finally announced. I saw an announcement that said his neck isn't broken, but he is injured. Oh. All right. Uh, I I mean I'm still waiting to hear because so there's a point in this when I believe it's called a dragon driver. Is what they were calling it, where he's basically yeah. tucked up in the powerbomb position or not powerbomb. Like if you were going to do a cannonball into a pool and had your legs tucked up, they were basically belly to belly with Dragon Lee and Dragon Lee is going to flip him backwards over his head. Right. There just wasn't enough of a rotation. He just landed flat on his goddamn head.
1: Yeah. Well, basically just the back of his neck, like like his chin tucked in, landing directly on the back of the neck. And it was ugly. And the thing that I think sucked is that so many of the spots building up to that moment were so much more dangerous. Well, they were German suplexes directly to the back of the neck, too. It's he as they both took a beating because
0: these are guys that have a history together and they're known for putting on these crazy matches. So I understand why they booked these two because, they're like, you know what? This is a big live televised event in the United States. We're trying to make them let's put these two out there to do what they do best.
1: I don't think there was any, I don't think there's anything to be said about the thought process, booking those two guys together. If they have history together and and this is supposed to be Takahashi's first uh, big defense of the uh, light heavyweight championship. So I, I, I don't, I mean, it, it's what everyone's been talking about the last few days, and you were there for it live, what, just a couple rows away. So, I mean, I mean give, me, give me your input.
0: I was 10 feet from him, you know, when his head smashed straight into the, the mat. And, I mean, we everyone around me cringed at the same time. Like, we were at an angle to see that this is disgusting, that this happened to him, like he has to be broken. And knowing that he got up and continued with, possibly a broken neck we don't really know i guess i mean i guess not if new japan says no but he was certainly dazed were you were you was everyone aware that there was a problem immediately takahashi typically moves pretty quick so when we started to see that his style like he was slowing down and i think that was a little concerning but it also really grossed all of us out when dragon lee grabbed him by the hair to pick him up immediately after this happened to his neck
1: because if there were any issues, I mean, you could literally paralyze somebody if they weren't already, just by the way you're handling a, like a damaged neck. And going back and watching this match,
0: I'm, I don't know. I was trying to decide. I mean, there's definitely things in it they do that are you could easily consider to be reckless. But isn't that yeah. part of the fun of Takahashi? That's kind of who he is. He's, he's a guy who's always going to sacrifice his body for a thing right
1: now. Well, so, so now the big... After this match, the big conversation, the big debate that's happening on social media and between wrestlers and between wrestlers and fans is, is this style of wrestling, is it, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Is it like, obviously it's not safe. It's pro wrestling. It's not fucking ballet. Like they, like they always say, but is it something that can be feasible to do on a regular basis? And there's people who are dead set against it. There's people who say that this kind of stuff happens once in a blue moon and it's not enough to justify shutting that style down completely. Um, I saw Disco Inferno went after it again. Um, What did he say? I didn't see that. I, th- I think he just kind of reiterated his point that he'd gotten into it with Cody about about like this, st- like this style is how guys are going to get hurt. And they're not, they're not wrestling smart. They're wrestling recklessly. And I, I, I think I saw something uh, like an interview with Jericho where he was saying since he's been working over at New Japan, he's been trying to convince more of these guys that you don't have to give your body every single night. You don't have to do all these dangerous stuff. Y- you can have a good match without getting dropped on the back of your head and on the back of your neck and getting contorted in all these different ways or hitting somebody as hard as you fucking can like I don't know it's 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 been one of the things since I've tried to follow the new Japan scene a little bit more and ring of honor a little bit more it's it's a different it's a different style difference than I'm used to uh with WWE which is traditionally a lot safer like it's it's just Visually, it may not be as satisfying, but it's one of the things that Miz got criticized for for a long time was wrestling a safer style. And I think people like how like satisfying it is to see this hard hitting New Japan action. I agree
0: that it is more dangerous, but you don't hear about people getting super injured there a lot, very often. You know, like you had uh, Shibata who had to retire, or I, I believe he retired because of too many like shoot headbutts.
1: Well, what's their schedule like in comparison to like a WWE schedule where they work, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then either Monday or Tuesday, depending upon which brand you're on?
0: Well, I think coming up, their schedule is going to be pretty challenging just because they have the G1 going on. And that's a very long tournament that's, you know, everybody's fighting multiple matches because it's not like you lose, you're out. It's a points-based tournament. So you get a certain amount of points for winning and Move on, and I believe that one actually goes quite a few nights in a row. That starts this Friday.
1: But I mean, typically, like throughout the calendar year, what's? Like, I mean, is this something that they do three or four nights a week? No, I don't think
0: they're doing it that often, but they also have a bigger roster where they can have different shows where, you know, this show is going to be like the smaller guys or some of the up and coming guys. You know, it's not it's not like Okada's out there doing like these crazy things every single night.
1: Well, if you want, what we can do is we can come back to this issue a little bit later because I have some stuff that I wanted to touch on. But if you want to go over a couple of the other matches on the card, rather than just focus on this one, do you want to talk about Juice Robinson? That's absolutely where I want to go next with this. Go with it.
0: That Okay, one thing that this show made me realize is New Japan doesn't have a lot of true heels. And I say that because the crowd was so hot for everybody. But is it a thing where you're excited just because they're here? Or Probably. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, I think the biggest pop of the night, honestly, was probably Naito. L- from what I was reading, LIJ was super over. The crowd loved LIJ. I mean, during that the Bucks-LIJ match, I wasn't expecting the crowd to be split. Since the Bucks are from California, I was kind of thinking, like, okay, you know, we're in Bucks country. This is going to be their show. But yeah. the crowd was divided. And actually, before it started, it was all LIJ chants.
1: But that was pretty cool just to see like how much recognition they were getting, like everyone on the roster was getting as opposed to just like the people that are popular. I mean, I guess not popular is the right word, but just like the most well-known people on the indie scene right now. Yeah, it
0: wasn't just like only the top guys are getting cheered. I mean, people are still cheering for, you know, people clearly knew who like Suzuki was and Ishii and uh, you just. Everybody coming out. I mean, it was just, it was a really hot crowd of people that were very excited, but I do think it was a lot of people that had traveled from all over to come to this. So I think you were transitioning, you were getting ready to talk about Jay White. Oh yes. Jay White comes out so many boos. Honestly, the only person that came out to booze all night. And I've never been a Jay White fan. I don't know what it is about him. Maybe by the end of this, I realize maybe I don't like him because I've been getting worked. <laughs>
1: <laughs> which happens occasionally
0: which does like and as this match was going on i feel by the end of it i said this is easily the most i've ever enjoyed watching jay white oh well, it was a good batch that, that helps <laughs> oh and uh, juice was so over everybody loved juice
1: the pride of joliet illinois
0: ah just like the blues brothers joliet jake uh but nope. he, he came out joliet, you know juice. dressed like uh Dressed like Kyrie, Sane, the pirate princess. Yeah, I mean, I fucking dreads were popping the red, white, and blue. And the stipulation to the match was if because he, he broke his hand in his last match, and he, the stipulation was if he used the cast, he would be disqualified.
1: I thought um, one of my favorite moments in the match was, it was towards the end where uh, Jay White got the low blow in. And you think it's going to end up helping him out to help him retain his title. And then <laughs> Juice Robinson comes right back and uses the fucking cast Oh, that to even, to, even the, <clears throat> to even the score.
0: There were so many people around me. I mean, it's all adults. I didn't really see any children at this show. And just every adult is on their feet screaming. In that moment to all of us, everything that was happening was real.
1: Isn't that an awesome moment in a wrestling show where it stops being a thing that you like criticize or try to f- play along with or, or guess along with and you're just sucked into the moment? It was, it's the absolute best. I mean,
0: it is like in that moment, you were living a comic book. Yeah. And everybody was just 100% marking out during that. And I was sitting about, three, about five feet from JR. Uh, I, ha- I was pretty close to everything when this happened. There, the guardrails at this show weren't really attached to anything.
1: Yeah, they, it looked like they were moving pretty easily. They
0: were just sitting there. <laughs> but I will say there's a spot in it where they get outside the ring and Jay White suplexes Juice into the guardrail directly in front of commentary. When he did that, Jr. flipped over backwards out of his seat. and upon and at first i thought well i guess that's supposed to happen and then it seemed like josh barnett gets out and chases jay white around the ring which i'm now hearing was not a work really yeah did you read anything that jr said about this moment
1: well all i all i saw was that jr might have broken some ribs he said he
0: did break ribs and that he's in a lot of pain and he couldn't sleep that night. And he said the one thing he told to the New Japan officials was keep him away from commentary. Because he said, I know these guys go out in the audience and stuff. And he's like, there's no need for them to be over near me. Okay. And re-watching it, I don't know how he fell out of his seat. Because the guardrail didn't hit the table so hard that it threw him. I think that he flinched and fell over backwards.
1: So what's coming of the story right now?
0: It seems, I mean, if you watched it, did you listen to JR talk about it on commentary as the match was going? Not really. He was pissed.
1: (laughs) So he was fuming about it the rest of the show?
0: Oh yeah, and already, JR, a lot of people don't like JR on New Japan commentary because it doesn't really feel like he enjoys the product that much.
1: Like he's just showing up for work because they're paying him. Exactly. That's kind
0: of the vibe I get from it because there'll be moments like where he, he okay, when Takahashi is coming out, he's holding Daryl Jr. Yeah. And he's saying all this stuff about Daryl Jr. And then uh, Josh Barnett, who's the other commentator, says something more about it. And Jr. goes, I read my copy on Daryl and that's all I'm saying about it. Like you could tell that he thinks that's annoying.
1: That the crowd loves this stuffed animal so much, and he didn't want to have to discuss it. But I also couldn't. I noticed throughout the show that he he doesn't really know everybody's finishers, so he'll just say that, like a guy will hit his finisher, and he'll just be like, and he's down. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, or there'll be moments where he really has a lot of trouble with logic, like <laughs> the logic of things. Um, I feel like in indie wrestling, like a lot of it is just put on a great show you know and just get out of the ring like get close to the people get in the middle of the crowd brawl do some exciting shit but the whole time he's like I don't even know why they're outside the ring right now they can't win and then he would say things like why isn't the ref counting they've been outside of the ring for at least 60 seconds
1: I guess that's fair it's like if you were (laughs) it's
0: like if you were watching a movie and the guy next to you is pointing out the plot holes.
1: Yeah. And I feel like not, you not should, a great
0: way to present the product because that's your job, right? His job is to make you excited about it, not sit there and point out plot holes. Yeah. So I, I have a little bit of a problem with him because of that. And during that match, after he got flipped, you could tell he already was annoyed with things in the show. Now all bets were off <laughs> on what he was going to say. Like they were swearing on commentary after that. At one point, JR like, I've about had it with this shit. <laughs> and he was he was pissed he was he was not happy and another way that i could tell this was not really a work when they threw him into that a whole bunch of electronics went everywhere including the thing that was you know used to to help with their audio everything came unplugged and i was watching crew members like scramble trying to plug shit in and get everything put back It didn't seem to affect anything, though, really, did it? It didn't seem like it, other than Josh Barnett's uh, headset stopped working at one point. They
1: they did a couple spots off. They did a lot of spots on the apron, and uh, I popped it at a, I think there was like a Russian leg sweep off off the apron out to the outside.
0: And that was after they were teasing that he was going to give him a German off the apron. Yep. And at one point, (laughs) JR's like, well, anything could happen, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Just (laughs) bitter, bitter old guy, JR. But of all the matches of the night, that is the one the crowd was the hottest for. And you have a new United States champion. Oh, yeah. New United States champion, Juice Robinson. Good to see a guy who got booted from WWE go somewhere else and make it big.
1: And first person who's actually from the United States to actually hold the title. That's true. It was a Canadian and then a New Zealander. Yep. So...
0: (laughs) So we got to see the United States title switch hands in America, which I think a lot of people were complaining that this looked like it was going to be a house show. And I think they went above and beyond and delivered far greater than just a normal house show.
1: Well, that's a great segue to talk about the main event, dude. Yeah, main
0: event, Cody Rhodes versus Kenny Omega. And I think a lot of people were kind of down on this because they felt like we just saw this a couple months ago. Why do we need it again? yeah but it clearly needed to happen again. Oh, and they're doing a good job of telling the story and I mean, it if, if anyone's saying that, like we just watched Nakamura and AJ Styles fight like 6 times in like 3 months. And one more time later tonight. Yeah, tonight <laughs> after after we're done uh recording this. But I thought that one was very good too. I thought they did a really good job telling, you know, a story. They both looked like they wanted to kill each other. The bucks were out there, you know, doing a good job of trying to separate everything. And this match ended up being a lot more violent than I would have expected.
1: Well, that's one thing I want, we definitely have to talk about. There were, just, there were several spots in there that were brutal. I think, obviously, the latter spot, which was scary, which was scary as shit for the setup. Because in this um, show, Cody... you really
0: have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, in New Japan, at any moment, you feel like somebody could take the craziest thing you've ever seen.
1: For sure. And also there, the fucking spot where Kenny power bombs Cody out of the ring and onto the table and the table doesn't break. And Cody kind of just, it's like, it's like he bypassed the table. He hit it, but it was like, it didn't affect anything. And he just went straight to the floor.
0: It was like, he were Joey. He was actually Joey Ryan and just floated through it.
1: He was a ghost. It was brutal. And yeah. What happened? Did you see? It was
0: the leg bent on the table. Yeah. So it didn't break. It just sent him straight to the floor. And when we saw the replay of that, I mean, everybody there thought he was hurt.
1: Yeah. Was, I thought he was that watching. That was nasty. I mean I, I mean, I knew the outcome, but.
0: And then um, uh, what else did we have? We had, uh, he, we had Kenny jump off of the guardrail to give him a coup de gras through the table.
1: Yep. That was towards the beginning of the match, too. Oh, and there was that moment when Cody throws
0: Kenny into that guardrail that isn't attached to shit. And the guardrail just smashes a New Japan official in the kneecaps. (laughs) Like, I didn't notice it the night of, but last night when I rewatched it, just seeing that guy's face, you could tell, like, his knees hurt. And he was rubbing his knees so hard.
1: Like, maybe he shattered his kneecaps. So do you feel like Kenny did a good job of elevating Cody in this match to make him seem like a legitimate cuz there were uh, there were opportunities where like uh, the spot where Cody had the IWGP championship and he was considering using it on Co- or on Kenny and he didn't and he just opted to go back to wrestling him and the bucks pulled the ladder out of the ring and they finished the match
0: and they took the belt away from Cody when he was going to whip like the bucks really tried to keep order in a match that red shoes had no control of Right. (laughs) They were, they just as well have been the refs of that one, you know, just trying to live crowd like hot for this. Oh, the crowd was having a great time. I mean, I think it's one of those things that at this point, I feel like we've all been to enough WWE shows that there's not a lot of wrestlers that it's exciting to see them every single time. Sure. And, and that could be because, you know, we get a little spoiled with how many times they come through a town. I mean, those dudes are wrestling all the time. So between house shows, pay-per-views, watching them on TV, it's just I'm not saying I'm burnt out on them. I'm just saying you're I, inundated. I've seen Seth Rollins wrestle so many times that it's cool when he comes out. But like when you get a chance to see Kenny Omega in person, it feels like you're witnessing something special. And you did. And we did. Saw his first title defense in the Cow Palace. And uh, at the end of it, I thought he gave a really nice speech
1: about, you know, forgiveness <laughs> and giving people a second chance. And uh, t- <laughs> I guess everybody by right now probably knows how the show ended. Oh, yeah, we're going in, we're back into the Marvel zone. We're going into a civil war.
0: <laughs> and not the civil war that we thought. No, we are going the exact opposite direction. So, I mean, this is an example of we're kind of getting what we want. But we're also getting a really good story that's, you know, just immediately got set up.
1: And a good chunk of the Bullet Club that has been fighting over the last few months, they're back together again.
0: Yeah. And seeing Cody... Ro- okay, so for anyone who didn't watch, uh, spoiler, spoiler, spoilers. But the uh, Gorillas of Destiny came out so bad... Uh, actually, everyone but Bad Luck Fale. So it was Tamatanga, Tonga, Tonga Loa, and Haku. And Haku was throwing throat shots, my friend. He was giving them to everybody. Yeah. yeah, they fucked everybody up. So it was pretty cool to see Haku wrestle again. And then speaking of in being the elite, the new episode, <laughs> just seeing all of them silently eating Carl's Jr. in a <laughs> hotel room in silence. And then Cody just says, and what the hell was with Haku? <laughs> what What's Haku's problem? And what's his problem? And then hearing
1: Hangman Page say, He's a piece of shit.: I don't know. I think it they they did such a good job of coming like full circle with this, where they're back together now, and it makes sense. I, I really loved how they staggered the run-ins with Hangman and then Marty and then eventually Cody.:
0: Where I could see this heading eventually is I could see this being like them fighting for who gets the name the Bullet Club. Sure. And I wouldn't be mad if it went with the Gorillas of Destiny or the Firing Squad or whatever they're going to call themselves now.
1: They're still saying that they're, they're Bullet Club, but they gave themselves a specialized name. Man, it's, I don't know, they did, they did a really good job of making you like Cody again at the end of this show.
0: Immediately. The crowd popped so hard when Cody Rhodes had a face turn.
1: Yeah. And I I think we
0: were all just excited to see them hug and be friends again. And uh, it just it was a really feel good moment, even after they got their asses beat. Because they were united again. Oh, man. It it was just a really good storytelling, man. It was just a really solid show where a lot happened. Like a lot. So much happened in one night to progress these stories.
1: And so you had an awesome trip to San Francisco.
0: It was absolutely worth it. I was, there were parts where I was, because I had originally gotten a second ticket and uh, no one was going to go with me. So I started regretting it where I was like, oh, this isn't going to be fun by myself. I ran into fucking people that I met in Tokyo. Really? So uh, the guy who ended up buying my ticket was a little old man, probably in his 70s. And he had a really nice camera. He didn't say three words the whole show. And then with the final three matches left, just looks over at me and goes, all right, I got to go now. Thanks. And leaves. So then I (laughs) really, for real, wasn't there for the last three matches. So I spotted uh, my buddy Shad, who I met in Tokyo. And I motioned for him to come sit with me. So then I had uh, somebody I knew sitting with me the rest of the show.
1: You you had you had a buddy with you for the prime part of the show. Yeah, for you know the I feel like I mean everything
0: before those three matches was great as well. But that's just those final three were so good. I mean the Takahashi match was a great match leading up to kind of a bad finish that just didn't end as crazy as the first twenty minutes. Right. But overall, I ended up having a great time. I had no regrets on attending that show. That was, I'm going to be happy that, because I feel like this is just going to grow more and more, and I'm going to be happy knowing, you know, just knowing that I saw that at the Cow Palace. Well, you checked another venue off the bucket list. It's off there. I don't know what else is next. I don't know what other venues. I mean, Tokyo Dome, Cow Palace, the one in Chicago, really, I've, I've checked off some big ones.
1: What's, yeah, I don't know what's left, man. ECW Arena, the original? Yeah, just, <laughs> that'd actually be pretty cool. So, you you go on this trip, I get some messages from you, get some texts, where well, you're talking to me about, you're, you're in a, you're, well, t- tell our listeners, you're like in a group chain right now, and there's a discussion going on about... What, is it indie wrestling that they're critiquing, or what, what's the story here?
0: Well, it. I mean, we talked about this a little bit earlier. It seems like right now, this type of wrestling is really dividing fans. And a lot of people are starting to question whether or not strong style is too dangerous. And it seemed like they were kind of in this uh, text thread talking about how there's no need to work that dangerous. And they, one of the guys in the thread went so far as to say a five-star match has never drawn a dime. Okay. And immediately as a fan of this style of wrestling, just um, my, my nerd radar, just nerd rage was filling in me. So I couldn't, got a little heated. I couldn't immediately respond because I was feeling personally attacked. (laughs) <laughs> but you know, I, I waited and, and let it cool down. Where I'm like, there's no reason to be mad about this. Anyone can like whatever they want. But it got me starting to think: has a five-star match drawn a dime? Or and I mean, you could argue though. I think that these five, the you know, six-star, uh, six and a half, seven-star matches that Cody or that uh, Kenny Omega put on with Okada helped build New Japan to where it is now, where it is a legitimate threat. Or, you know, on the road to becoming a legitimate threat to WWE or an alternative product for other people to tune into.
1: So this, I mean, you brought this up and this had tied in with some things I had been thinking about over the last week. And here's the thing. I I don't know how how you feel about Dave Meltzer's star rating system. I personally, as a fan of wrestling, do not give a shit. Like, like, t- like, I get that Dave Meltzer has a voice in the wrestling community, and a lot of people take him seriously, and I understand why. I get all that. I really don't care about star ratings. To me, that to me, they don't mean anything. I, I guess, especially it's 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 so reserved for New Japan matches that that's the only time he hands out really high star ranked matches like. I don't know, man. Like, I, It's just not a thing I really get into is... I think you can be effective in different ways without having a long, epic, dangerous, strong-style match. And, and this is something I'm just now getting into, too. Like, I'm exploring this, and, and I'm digging it a lot. I know... I wanted to tie this in because of the thing that happened with Takahashi. And, and I know that everyone's favorite scapegoat and favorite wrestling discussion always in, comes back to fucking... Roman Reigns, and it ties into a lot of different stuff, but th- this is something that I, I wanted to bring up this week. I had listened to an interview with Finn Balor. I can't remember what if it was for a radio station or a podcast or whatever, and they asked him about Roman Reigns, and Finn Balor just raved about him. And it didn't come across to me that he was just blowing smoke or towing the company line. He just said, he's great. People don't realize how great he is, and... One of the things that you, you have to, for, for all the criticisms I can give Roman Reigns about his character or his entrance or his moveset or whatever. Which his entrance it,
0: seems to be something you're focused on
1: lately. Good fucking Lord. I think it just clicked with me two or three weeks ago that his entrance music is what somebody hums to themselves. It's what, it's what somebody hums to themselves at work when they're bored. Like this under their breath. That's his fucking entrance music. Anyways, that's not what I wanted to get into. <laughs> but Squeed-um. one of the things... <laughs> now hit me with uh, Aleister Black. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Go back. That's some good entrance music. But y- here's something you nev- we never talk about. And this is something to take in consideration. I don't feel like even... Other wrestling podcasts talk about this enough. I don't feel like the dirt sheets talk about it enough. Here's something you never hear about Roman Reigns. You never hear somebody say, oh, he's dangerous to work with. You never hear stories about how he's hurt anybody.
0: And this actually got brought up in that text chain, too. Like, they were talking about how Roman Reigns is the biggest draw in the business right now and how he's a safe worker.
1: And and and, that, and I think for the people who are behind the curtain, that's huge. If you can hold down a main event status spot and then also protect the guys that you're working with, that's huge. And I think that means a lot to the guys that you're working with, that you protect them. How much of that has to do with the fact that his moveset is a lot of punches and a tackle? I'm sure that's a huge part of it. It's not like he's doing a lot of different suplexes. He does a Samoan drop. He does that drive by drop kick stomp, whatever. Like I I think there's something to be said, and I, and I did I wanted to save it for the podcast to get into it because I'm not trying to get your goat or stir you up. There is some truth to the idea that five star matches aren't what elevate or bring down other companies. When you think about all the epic like like let's, let's use WCW as an example. WCW was able to compete and almost put WWF out of business because they came up with the greatest wrestling storyline of all time, which was the NWO. Yeah. What was the match that, that threatened WWF during that time period? Like as far as like match rating or Epic, you know, something, something like along the lines of a Kenny Omega Okada. I mean, I think the point you're
0: trying to make to me is that we don't remember these matches very well.
1: I I think the point I'm making is that I don't think they fucking existed.
0: I mean, when I look back at that time, one of the most exciting matches was Bill Goldberg versus Hulk Hogan.
1: And I'm sure it was probably like five minutes tops, right?
0: Oh, it was short as hell. Like, uh, the majority of the match was them looking at each other, if I remember, just because they were in a stadium for that. Like, they actually ran that match in a stadium.
1: I maybe the point that your friends are trying to make in this in this text exchange is that you don't have to be a 45 minute stamina based spot fest match to get the job done because and this is this is something that kills me to admit a lot of people for years will be talking about that whatever 45 second long match between Goldberg and Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series they got a huge response with practically fucking nothing and everyone was into it. Why did it work? It, it, I'm not telling... Uh, I, we can talk about the artistic merits of professional wrestling and how important that is and how like p- people take pride in being able to put on these awesome matches and that's, that's, those are all valid points and I am not going to reject that at all. I personally like matches like that. However, it, it's... Cr- at the same time, it's also crazy to watch how effective somebody can be with, with a lot less. And like I said earlier, it seems like Jericho's been trying to instill that in some of the New Japan guys. To not go out there and kill yourself every night, to save part of your career, you want to be able to go out there and perform until your late 40s or early 50s. Uh, and I think they have guys
0: that do work that way. Like I don't think Kenny Omega is an incredibly dangerous worker. Or anything like when you see him, he has like a couple high spots that he does, but he does them nearly every match. It's kind of like, you know, Finn Balor actually does that same over the top rope move that Kenny does.
1: I think a lot of his stuff is like it looks worse than it is like where it's a lot of knees. Didn't you say, though, that Jericho got really fucked up from the one wing danger?
0: Yeah, he said he'll never take that finisher again. He said that his back is still fucked up from it.
1: Doesn't that involve getting dropped like on the back of your neck and the back of your head? I mean, you
0: should be landing a little flatter than that, but I think he also took that move onto a steel chair.
1: I mean, you're essentially getting, like, in, in what would be the small package position. You're getting dropped five feet right onto the your, like, upper back, neck, head
0: area. I mean, I can't deny that a lot of New Japan's moves involve getting thrown right onto your shoulders slash neck. I mean... But
1: basically what pissed you off was that basic there was a conversation where that the theme was five star matches, six star matches, all these great matches. They don't fucking matter, Garrett. They're a waste of time. Roman Reigns is the shit. What? That was kind of the theme.
0: I mean, you know, when you initially read it, you get a little hot reading that like if you're a fan of the other thing. Uh I I don't know. I can't I don't completely disagree. I understand that it's dangerous, but I guess the way I look at it is We're in the middle of watching the evolution of a sport. For sure. And I kind of described it as, you know, if the skateboarders never left the pools, we wouldn't have gotten to the X Games. Absolutely. And I feel like we're just, we're moving on a little bit. And I don't want to hate WWE. I don't hate WWE. I grew up loving it. I wanna still love it. They're just in if we're talking about this doesn't need to happen because we can do the same thing better with storytelling. Well, this company that's known for storytelling needs to step their shit up to get me
1: back. Absolutely. Cuz this is the one thing that they're like you said they're supposed this is supposed to be their wheelhouse. This is supposed to be what they're good at. I mean, and they are dropping the ball left and right. They fucking had this golden opportunity with with Nakamura and Styles. And it feels like, like I mean, they had some moments in there that were good, but it just feels like it could have been so much more if it had been somewhere else. And the thing is, what everybody wanted was a fucking New Japan match from
0: them. And 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 at that point, if you're WWE, why not? You've got these two guys that you know can do this and are willing to do it.
1: I like from I don't understand from their perspective why you can't corner different areas of the market. I guess like I've been trying to figure out. What's going to be the
0: thing to pull me back in? Because it makes me sad because at this point, WWE is just, you know, like I've said before, it's like they're just collecting all these action figures so no one else can
1: play with them. That's what it feels like. And then you hear rumors about them trying to find ways to fuck with All In. Have you, have you, have you read this? No, I hadn't this? read any of that. They've been trying to offer contracts to a lot of the guys that are on that show, including members of Bullet Club. They're like, they're trying to interfere. And this is the funny thing is that if you were to, it, it feels this way. It feels like if you were to ask them, do you feel threatened by new Japan ring of honor? They would laugh and brush it off. And yet here they are trying to shut down the ring of honor show at Madison square garden. They're, They're trying to fuck around with all and they're not happy about that. So as much as they act like they're untouchable, their behavior would suggest otherwise. It's so confusing to just see so many
0: guys I love working for a company and then I try. He doesn't want to utilize them? Exactly. Like when I watch and I think like, God, I can't wait for this guy to get there. Oh my God, this person's here. And I mean, it makes sense why everybody would be like, I really don't want Kenny to end up there. I don't want the Bucks to end up there because we've seen how they're treating these
1: other people that we love so much. But what's funny, here's the ironic thing, though. If they were to go, it would be, they would be getting paid handsomely. Oh, It would be be the biggest paydays they ever got.
0: Absolutely. And I want to see them make money and succeed, but I also feel like they're at a point where they can build this on their own and do something. And I think everybody's kind of rooting for them to be able to, you know, create something. you
1: You said you're waiting for them to find something to draw you back in. For WWE? Would it be, Absolutely. What, what, would it be fair to say that basically since Dominion, you've kind of been done? Honestly, it wasn't even Dominion. I think it was really attending mm-hmm. this last WrestleMania. What the fuck has happened? This is, this is the point that I was about to get to. Look at every... I, I know you haven't been following closely, which actually I want to get to that in a minute because I, I have a whole criticism about that with people right now. Um, what has happened since mania if you were if you were to put everyone on on a map of what they where they were at and what they were doing character wise feud wise since like mania or right before mania and now here we are in july that's from march april to july where has anybody gone like what what has been the drastic shift
0: i think the big thing is all of us thought okay We're going to finally get Roman Reigns as champ. We're going to get it over with, and it's going to finally, this is going to be the thing, and we're going to see these main event matches of Roman Reigns versus the next top guys. Or all the people that he's going to crush or whatever.
1: Well, it's essentially like tearing off a Band-Aid. Like, a lot of us didn't really want to see it. But we we're like, okay, whatever, it's going to happen, fine, we'll, we'll deal with it. Because the belt will be there every week, at the, at the very least.
0: That, exactly. There was a point when I'm like, you know what? Roman Reigns is right. He is there every week. And if he's holding that belt and it's on the show, he'll probably even do the John Cena thing and defend it every week. Or defend it more often. Or obviously defend it more often. Defend it monthly, at least. And
1: it's right now, it truly is Brock Lesnar. <laughs> It just, I, I think the thing that's exhausting everybody right now is it feels like they are really deeply invested in all of the wrong people. And when they are invested in the right people, they're invested in them the wrong way. So <clears throat> for some reason, like they're willing to, for some fucking reason, Brock Lesnar can show up at UFC and has more passion for that whatever one minute moment that he had. And however many, seven years since he's been back or whatever.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's a guy that like, at first I loved the novelty of having a champion that didn't give a shit. It was kind of funny, but the joke has worn off for me. It's not funny anymore. It's, he's truly ruining the show by that belt, not being around. It's, it's kind of stopping like other people from being able to get anywhere.
1: Right. And when you have a roster full of people who you feel deserve to get somewhere, it's extra frustrating. And it's not even that I hate Brock Lesnar. There's a hand We've talked about it on here.
0: There are a handful of matches I'd love to see him be a part of. But do you still feel that way now? I mean, I'm still pissed, Adam, but if you said, okay, he's coming back and he's going to have your match against Finn Balor, I would be like, okay, fine. <laughs> Let's see it. But it would, see, it would also be I a think- thing that's happened way too late again.
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's jumped the shark. I think so many things, and I, I've been using that phrase a lot, especially like on social media. So many things have jumped the shark with me now. Like, th- nothing has changed. Fucking Undertaker, somebody made a great fucking analogy the other day. They were like, Undertaker's like Brett Favre at this point. I saw that. That was accurate. It's spot on. Like, he, is he fucking retired or not? Am I supposed to sympathize with his absence or not? Like, I don't understand... What the fuck is going on with Braun Strowman? Like, what's the plan there? We said this after Money in the Bank. I'm fine with him being the number one contender. I don't know if I like him as the monster in the bank. We're still dealing with the same Roman Reigns shit where, like, he's the same fucking guy. I mean, I guess the Lashley stuff is better than them pretending that he's an underdog because they're making him out to be a monster. I guess. I... I think. I mean, fucking did Nia Jax's title reign even happen? We're fucking right back to where Alexa Bliss is the women's champion again, and and it's like certain things never fucking happen. Well, it's and, a, and it's like you need
0: this belt because whoever has the main belt is the main character of the show, the story, and it's like we can't, we don't have a main character right now, so they're trying to make storylines that. I don't know if they're trying to make me forget that the story has no main character, but I can't because that should like, that's always the thing that it leads to is the heavyweight championship. And it's just, I can,
1: I can tell you for certain that the last three to four weeks of raw have felt like I'm watching the exact same show. There's a segment with the riot squad fucking around with somebody. Elias does his spot. Braun Strowman does something mean to Kevin Owens, Baron Corbin and Finn Balor have interaction and nothing pushes things forward and nothing makes you want to give a shit. Ronda Rousey isn't there. She's been suspended, but she will be at extreme rules on Sunday, which we should kind of mention, I guess, since we're a wrestling podcast. Who's uh, okay. So I, I truly have not watched in weeks. Like I'll, will
0: I'll occasionally catch highlights and see on Twitter updates. And I don't like complaining about wrestling because there's so many other wrestling. And that's kind of what we've been doing. We've been
1: watching other shit for a while. But this is the theme going on, I think, in the wrestling world right now. This is the one thing everyone's kind of agreeing with. I put out a call today asking if you're somebody who's still watching the product and you like it. Tell me why. And I haven't heard shit. I'm not saying I I reach out to hundreds of thousands of people, but nobody said anything. And I don't, I don't uh, like with this
0: show. If if anyone's listening and you truly do enjoy the WWE, please let us know. Like this isn't condescending. Like I want to know what you truly enjoy about this because what's working. It's all subjective. You know, we can, we all like our own thing and like things for different reasons. So I want to know for anyone who is still watching the show, what, Storyline is happening right now. What character is happening? What's going on that works? And don't and I don't mean with NXT because right now NXT is great still, and I'm still watching NXT. Uh, It's just the main show is it just kind of feels like a mess.
1: I and I, I think my big battle that I've been having online, which everyone that seems to be a thing people do these days, when you start criticizing. WWE there's always somebody who inevitably pops up to tell you those people who are running that company, they know what they're doing, man. They get, they get paid millions of dollars. They just, you know, got that deal with Fox. They just got a new deal with USA. They know what they're doing. Who the fuck are you? Why do you know better? And my response will continue to fucking be the guy making the final call on all of these things. in 2018 thinks it's a good idea to resurrect his shitty 17-year-old dead football league. <laughs> the, like, he's, he's, he has millions of dollars that he earned off the backs of hardworking fucking wrestlers that he has now invested because it's his money. And he thinks, oh, well, you know, there's some controversy in the NFL. I'll capitalize on that by bringing back a football league that only lasted one year and barely lasted that one year. But like it like where where's his fucking mind at, and I know that it's again it's passe to criticize Roman reigns, it's passe to fucking criticize Vince McMahon, but this is the conversation that's being had right now because between New Japan Ring of Honor and being the elite, there's a lot of kick ass stuff going on on that side of the spectrum, and it just feels like w w e is just showing up for work punching in and fucking leaving i think, and they're not apologetic.
0: do you think they've just had so much time? where they were the only
1: thing that they just aren't trying that hard. I, I said this after they signed their Fox deal. Cause everyone was talking about, well now they'll have some incentive to like try. Why they got their fucking money. They, I think they think they're too big to fail. They just, th- I just read this before we started recording the podcast. This raw from yesterday, this week was the lowest-rated Raw for the Nielsen ratings since they've been keeping track of it for Raw. Jesus. I, whatever their business model is right now, at least from the artistic standpoint, fucking sucks. Maybe they're making merch money, which, by the way, as Queen of the Ring pointed out on her, uh, on her YouTube channel, their fucking merchandise has been shitty. The product has been shitty. WWE has been really bad lately. It, I mean, it It just, it, <laughs> That's it. it
0: truly, it just comes down to that. It's like, it's not that I hate the WWE. It's just, they are not putting on a good show right now. And I think like when we started doing this, you really hadn't seen much New Japan at all or uh, or ring of honor or just, you know, indie wrestling. And for me, like when I started watching indie wrestling, it started to not pull me away from the WWE, but it was showing me there's this other thing and i think you put it pretty well you're like wwe they'll see what people want and then say we'll give that to you someday and it takes them too long to get around to it and i understand that a build is a good thing and there's a way to do a build without making people wait two years or For wi- sure. or wait i mean however long and then you know dominion came along pretty much at the right time after kind of a bad WrestleMania where they just were like, this is all the shit you wanted. Here you go. And since then have still been doing good shit.
1: And WWE has still been doing shit. Just, well, just kind of the same. I just, uh, and I, and I, we talked about this before the podcast podcast started, but, um, I just don't know if, Booking the way that they have wanted to book for years, I don't think it works that way anymore. I think the news cycle plays a, a part. I think YouTube and Hulu and Twitter getting condensed versions of the shows, getting to watch the highlights on YouTube and getting live stream updates you know, on, on social media, it's changed the game. And people don't want to wait around for to find, oh, ooh, now you're doing The Miz versus Daniel Bryan? Holy shit. We never saw that coming, even though during the fucking Superstar shakeup, they announced that the reason The Miz went to SmackDown was because Daniel Bryan wanted him there. And now they're not addressing the elephant in the room, what, for a fucking build? People want to see it now. They're not going to want to see it eight months from now but if he even fucking resigns.
0: Cause that, th- that was kind of the hot story when he came back. Is he can finally kick the Miz's ass like he's wanted it's, to do for so long?
1: Yeah, it's the assumption that this stuff that they can just f- fiddle around with and it'll be fine whenever they decide to go to it. They 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 ended what was that? Re- what was this re- last WrestleMania we just got out of? Was that 34? 30, yeah, 34. They ended WrestleMania 33 and Brock Lesnar was the universal champion. And it was known throughout the wrestling community that they were building this up so that it could be Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. And that year. is long-term <laughs> booking. That is long-term booking. It fucking failed. It didn't get the reaction it wanted. Like I'm, I'm done hearing about long-term booking philosophy. I just want to see good booking. I don't care if it only lasts a month or two months. Give the people what they want to fucking
0: see. I mean, it would at least be a good experiment for the company. It's like, at this point, what do you have to lose to try just giving the people what they want for a while and see if the ratings get better?
1: Right. They long-term booked with Nakamura and Styles. They're trying right now to long-term book with Miz and Brian, presumably. They're trying to build something with Strowman and Lesnar, I'm, I'm guessing. But all this stuff that they're making you wait on, like eventually you keep your customer waiting in line long enough. They just leave the line and guess what's right next door. This really fucking business that's kicking ass and, and drawing a lot of attention and has, you know, the the merchandise aspect of the indie scene has blown up with pro wrestling tees and new Japan world's taken off and ring of honors taken off a little bit more than it was a few years ago. And I, I know, still it,
0: think that New Japan is, a, is better than Ring of Honor. I think Ring of Honor has work to do with a lot of characters.
1: But I think Ring of Honor but, is an extension of New Japan.
0: exactly. Like they, they play so nicely together right now that you, 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 know, you can tune in and still probably see a couple new Japan characters from time to time pop into their show for, you know, a fight.
1: I, you're right. We try not to be negative. And how many times have we said that on episodes of this podcast? We're we're trying not to be negative, but here comes the negative stuff. It's a, it's the theme that's rolling around lately. You're probably going to hear it from us a few more times, but. Well,
0: I guess (laughs) coming back to just the match, the five-star match doesn't draw. I think it just comes back to, you know, right now, I think it could be the draw because it's just more exciting. And right now, WWE just is not very exciting, and that's something that's missing. And is I don't know, is the five star match drawn on the past? I guess not. But I, could, I would argue, could that be the, the next five star
1: match? I would argue the five star match isn't what's drawing people to New Japan right now. It's the Bullet Club and everything involved with that. The elite.
0: You think it's just th- so- well, but but then you hear like. You know, LIJ, like, with the fans, is just getting so incredibly over that I think there's just so much over there. I think people are starting to... I think people tuned in for the Bullet Club and have found these other characters and are realizing how cool they are and how good they are at what they do and are just following interesting stories between everyone.
1: Oh, I agree. I think the storylines and the characters, like, I, I, I agree with all of that. I, I'm not even downplaying the... I'm not saying that five-star matches and all that the great product that they put on is the reason why they're getting so much attention right now. And every aspect of that that's involved. That said, I, I think that there is like the bullet club thing is a cultural icon right now. Those shirts are being worn by people who do not give a fuck about new Japan or ring of honor. Oh, they de- I've definitely tried to too sweet somebody wearing the shirt that had no idea what I was talking about. It transcends wrestling. And that, to me, has nothing to do with five-star matches or anything. That It's just, it's, it's the new NWO shirt. It really is. And like you were saying,
0: the NWO was the coolest new storyline at the time that got WCW over.
1: And then it took um, an, an even better, well, I guess not even better, but it took WCW fucking up and then Rock Austin and Austin McMahon to bring WCW down. That storyline killed WCW. And I think what you're watching right now, I'm not going to tell you it's the end of WWE because that would be fucking ridiculous. That's
0: that's absurd. Like for a company that, I mean, regardless of what we personally think of the show, they just made a billion fucking dollars.
1: Yeah, but what would happen if and Brock Lesnar just walked away right now?
0: It would be amazing. Like, cause even at this point for UFC,
1: I want to see Cormier kick his ass. Like, I think. But I mean, like, I what if he didn't put anybody over? What's that? I'm saying like, I don't mean like walk away. Like, isn't he's done with WWE? I mean, like he walks away and doesn't like drop the title to anybody. Like if he just leaves with what well you keep seeing
0: that meme where they keep putting Lesnar's face on uh, Medusa's body and you see her dropping the belt in the trash.
1: Right. He's left WWE on like no notice before.
0: I mean, I could easily see him doing it. I mean, and do they ignore that and just say they got the belt back? Or do they have to create another belt because Brock Lesnar left with it, and it's storyline-wise, it's gone forever?
1: I don't know why you paint yourself into a corner with a guy who clearly just doesn't give a shit. I don't want to hear from somebody that he has passion for pro wrestling. I saw more passion out of him in that one minute at UFC than I'd seen since he's been in WWE.
0: For the love of God, he walked into the octagon smiling. Jesus. (sighs) He put on a suit. He yeah. was, he was ready. Yeah. Well, Hey, we've been talking for an hour and 20 minutes. Let's end on a negative note.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, this has been a fun one though. I mean, it's a discussion that needed to be had because we can't just ignore WWE forever. I feel like for the last couple of weeks, we weren't really talking about it at all, but this is why, like there's other stuff to watch and I will come back to WWE. Will I watch Extreme Rules? Yes, I'm going to watch it. Will I watch it live? Honestly, I probably won't this week because I just...
1: (laughs) That's fine. I'll catch up with it later.
0: I can watch it and fast forward through stuff just because there's so much... Like, the G1's going to be going on. Uh, We're going to have these right now. And, you know, uh, Okada and Naito are both in separate brackets, so a lot of people are kind of speculating that it could end up being okada naito and that's fun because that is long term storytelling because whoever wins this is who's going on to headline wrestle kingdom right and that's months and months away so that's a very long term storyline and i think it's gonna be naito
1: we'll see wwe sucks but there's other stuff out there to entertain you get on it enjoy it and again this is your last chance to enter our contest to win two tickets to all in get on that too get your rating review and email it to us. Thanks for listening everyone. I'm sorry. Derek. I'm
0: sorry. We had such a bitch fest. <laughs> I feel like it's just, it's not the normal way this show goes, but uh, we went to a couple good shows, had a little to complain about my apologies. Thank you for hanging out with us. It's a, always a pleasure to have you here. Rate, review, subscribe, rate, review,
1: subscribe, rate, review, subscribe, social media. Oh, at predetermined podcast on Instagram. At Wrestle Hangout on Facebook, at Wrestle Hangout on Twitter. Garrett, take us out of here.
0: Hit our goddamn music.